Welcome to Everyday Oral Surgery, Surgeon's Talking Shop. This is your host, Dr. Grant Stuckey. In this podcast, you will be hearing surgeons discussing ways to improve the everyday practice of oral surgery. The ultimate goal of this podcast is to evaluate every aspect that a surgeon could improve in order to create a better experience for patients, staff, and the surgeon himself or herself. The vast majority of the information shared in this podcast will be based on personal experience and opinions. The techniques and methods discussed are only meant to provoke thought and should be supplemented with personal research into the clinically reviewed and approved studies prior to making changes to one's way of practice. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery. All right, today I'm interviewing Dr. Jacob Stuckey. He is also my younger brother and very proud of him. He's started his oral surgery residency this past summer. Great, uh, Jake, great to have you on the episode today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, I'm excited to be here. Yes. I was wondering if you could just give us a quick uh, synopsis of your dental training and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. So I did my dental training at you know UCLA in California. Definitely took after my brother, after Grant, who also studied at UCLA. And then recently started, like you said, here at the Case Western Reserve University, uh, my oral surgery training and also medical school. So, you know, it's been a really awesome, big change, lots of, you know, changes from Los Angeles, but I've loved it here in Ohio. Oh, that's awesome. So happy for you. So yeah, I was hoping we could spend the first half just kind of discussing, you know, some of the tricks and tips that you have uh, for guy, younger guys who are looking to get into oral surgery programs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, maybe the second half, we could talk about some of the stuff you've learned in residency and, you know, go, go from that standpoint. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. So what are two or three, you know, power tips that you have for guys in dental school who are looking to get into oral surgery? So I would say, you know, once you make the decision that you want to do oral surgery, it's basically the big thing is the CBSC. At least in my mind, that was that was the biggest hurdle for me. Okay. So there's a lot of different factors when it comes to applying anywhere from, you know, getting your extracurriculars lined up, doing, inter, you know, externships, making sure you have good letters of recommendation. And yeah. then obviously the, the CBSC, which is, you know, just the last couple of years come up and now it's a, a massive part of the application. So yeah. I would say, you know, I would recommend to, to people who are, you know, set on applying to oral surgery to make a very, very serious plan, you know, t- determine what it takes for you personally, how many hours you have to put in. And then just like mentally block out the next six months to a year, do really well on that test because it's it's important. Yeah. Thankfully, I never had to take that test. <laughs> Crossed my fingers on that one and got lucky. But yeah, f- for those who aren't familiar with it, just give us a brief rundown of what's on the test. Yeah. So it, it's, it's basically, the, you know, it's based off this test called the MBME, which is a test that medical school students take in order to essentially judge their performance and and their preparedness to take the USMLE step one. So the CBSC is essentially to take the the test that we take as dental students, and it correlates very closely with MBME and the USMLE step one. So I guess the idea is that, you know, as you study for those topics that are on the CBSC, it's called the Comprehensive Basic Science Examination. Mm -hmm. As you study for those topics, it will be preparing you, you know, for the basically the residency of oral surgery that's integrated, you know, very closely with the medical field and essentially preparing you to take the USMLE step one if you need to down the road. 
Got it. And what did your training, your yes, training, studying schedule look like for this test? So basically, you know, at least in, in my experience, I saw that there was a lot of content on the test that wasn't covered, you know, in my training in dental school and okay. that I needed to put in a ton of extra time after school. So basically what I did is I, I studied mostly during, you know, third year dental school. So I'd get out at a clinic at 5 p.m., you know, clean up, maybe get home by 5.30, eat some yeah. dinner. And then usually about 6, 6.30, I would be studying just the rest of the night. So I would say I planned to do like a minimum of four hours a night. And I ended up usually doing until at least midnight and oftentimes later than that. And then every every single Saturday, just, you know, I would say maybe eight to 10 hours. So that's kind of what I did. I ended up taking the test twice. The first time around, I learned like a ton. And then after getting my score, I realized kind of how I could change my study schedule and really like buckle down on certain things to, to make a big improvement for the second time around too. And they just take the highest score. They don't average scores, right? Yep. It's just they blindly just whatever scores the highest that's the one they get although when you're interviewing you know some places might ask you know oh you took it more than once can you tell me about that but you know technically they just received the highest score got it okay so take home messages don't uh, underestimate that test and take it seriously (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah for sure i mean i remember in dental school during that year i would see some of my buddies that were studying so hard and i'd be like how's it going man and they'd be like dude, I'm dying. And I'm like, okay, good. Like we're on the same page, you know, <laughs> you when know, I talked to other people that were like, oh yeah, it's going, I'm, I'm studying, you know, we're doing okay. You know, I'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe I'll take it again after this. I would just think, man, we must be on a different track or something. Cause I'm definitely feeling like I'm dying, but you know, yeah. that was what was so cool though, is that I learned so much in those months. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's two types of tests. There's the test that is a tons of memorization and so that test takes a lot of work to prepare for and then there's the test that is more of a trying to test your cognitive ability to think and oftentimes no matter how much you study you know it's not going to improve your score where does this test fall in in that spectrum honestly it's amount of material you need to to learn and to memorize is just massive so I definitely didn't get there memorizing 100% of it. And I think most people probably won't. But once you get like a a very, very solid base of the material, it's also a huge part of understanding the questions and putting them together. It's more like story, story type questions with like vignettes that you have to understand. So it's definitely like half and half. You can't just memorize it. You have to get good at actually, you know, understanding and practicing how to take a test because... You know, they really kind of make it multiple levels deep. So you can't just pick an answer out. And of all the stuff you studied and the ways you study, what gave you the highest yield? I mean, after you took it, you're looking back and saying, okay, that portion of what I did was the the highest yield stuff. Yeah, I would say just doing practice questions was, you know, really, really helpful because I le- it helped me reflect on like, do I know this or not? You know, when, when you have a question in front of you and you have to try to think about it, answer it, and then you either right. get it wrong or you don't, that helped me a ton. So there's definitely a lot of banks out there that, you know, obviously like UWorld is renowned for being the biggest bank. That's absolutely essential. And then some of the other, like there's other, in my mind, I kind of think of them as like mini med school. There's, there's supposed to be reviews for med students, something like Pathoma, Boards and Beyond, you know, other lectures that are out there. They really helped me kind of, work me through med school, quote unquote, because I, you know, didn't get that experience in dental school. So those were also high yield for me just because they helped me understand the co- the content, you know, before going into it. 
So you, you've taken a CBSC, you've got a great score. Now what? What's the next thing that's going to really help you in your mind to get into a, the top program that you want to get into? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, like all along, hopefully you've been involved in, in extracurriculars. You know, they always say that doing research is great and it is great. Another part, at least for me, that was helpful was doing extracurriculars, you know, leaderships in clubs in dental school and then other things that just have nothing to do with dental school. You know, I, I would tell people that I was a Boy Scout leader when I was in Los Angeles and, you know, I took the scouts camping in the snow and they were like 11 year old, 11 year old scouts who just like whined about it. And, you know, I had to help them through it. You know, those kind of things, even if it's completely unrelated, you know, getting involved in the community is also helpful too. So I would just say that's different for everyone, but it's important that you get involved. And then another big piece, obviously, is externships. So I think, you know, talking about externships a little bit would be valuable for people who are, are you know, serious about going to, a, you know, a place that they want to be. Yeah. Before we discuss externships, looking back, because you went on how many interviews? A lot, right? Yeah, quite a few. Like over 15? Yeah, around there. I think I ended up going on, on like 14 or 15. Okay. When you look back at all the questions you were asked at the interviews, what were the main things or the most common things that they were questioning you about in regards to your file and your application? Yeah, I feel like the most common things that's discussed at an interview are just like basic questions to try to like gauge what, what you're like to interact with. You know, they'll be like, can you tell me about yourself or what makes you unique or what is it about our program that you really are interested in? Just mm-hmm. kind of questions to get the conversation started. And then it's kind of up to the applicant to take that somewhere. You can start saying, you know, you know, I really like this program for these different reasons. And I think that's important to me because then you can kind of steer that conversation a little bit yeah. or you can leave it into their hands a little bit more. But it seems like in my you know, experience, most of the interview is just about trying to get to know what it's like to talk to you and to work with you. Okay. I mean, I, looking back when I, I think I did nine or 10 interviews and for some reason there was a couple things that stood out a lot. One of them was actually the Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And all, I swear without fail, almost every like professor who is probably over like 50 or 60 would ask about that. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, you're an Eagle Scout. You know, like that's so rare these days. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it was interesting how different interviewers gravitated to different questions some people really wanted to talk about you know the the research in dental school and other people it was more about you know the lds mission stuff like that i mean it's but it seemed like they usually pinpoint things that yeah set you apart or make you unique you know yeah you, you spent two years in bolivia like myself like you don't run across that you know every day you don't see people (laughs) spending two years in the armpit of south america they're like what's going on (laughs) yeah exactly no it's for sure and what i noticed also is like at different schools that they tend to value things a little bit differently so i went to an an interview at a school that was very well renowned or well known for doing research and for sure they asked me about my research you know first things first you know i went to other school that said they were really interested in you know having a wide variety of different applicants and diversity and they straight up just asked me why are you diverse you know, you're a white guy from Utah. Can you explain, you know, what makes you diverse? And I laughed a little bit. I was like, no, you're completely right. You know, let's let's talk about why I think I am different, what I can bring to the program. Yeah. So it kind of does depend on the program. But like, you know, like you were saying, what makes you unique is more important than, than necessarily just having a high score on some random test. But you got to kind of, it's it's part of the big picture. 
Yeah, for sure. Okay, and let's talk about externships then. Like for the guy who's in their second or third year and looking toward that, what tips would you give to someone trying to pick where to extern, how to act on an externship, stuff like that? Yeah, so I would definitely say hopefully that, you know, dental students have some connections with other students who have recently applied from their school Mm -hmm. or at least, you know, who have recently got in, maybe they're maybe their first year residents at the at their program to talk to them and to see where they went. Because that was huge for me. Just talking to people, hey, I went here last year. It was awesome. This was a hands-on externship or this was not. You know, it's a good place to go first. Yeah. Uh, get some of their opinions and see what they liked. Because chances are, if people from your school have been going to places, since they had the same dental school experience as you and they had a good time, you know, you can you can kind of uh, trust those those opinions. Another thing I did was also just look at, you know, where did I actually want to end up? Because, you know, the externship is a very important uh, opportunity for them to get to know you too and for yeah. you to, to really see what the program's like so if you want to stay you know i was in la i had a lot of people who i know who wanted to stay in california you know extern at uh, you know california schools so check it out i was really open to going anywhere in the nation so i made i made sure that i picked schools all over the nation so that way when they asked me about my externships i i could show them that i really did go everywhere and i was interested in you know that wasn't my limiting factor mm-hmm. so i think that's important too okay and then what about externship etiquette? Is there anything you learned or thought you did well or didn't do well or, you know, stuff in regards to what to say when you're actually there? Yeah, for sure. No, I for sure learned. I When I was at one externship, I remember, I think it was one of my first ones, actually. I was there and I, I always whistle. I'm always just like, you know, kind of asking questions and just like seeing what's going on. I remember one of my first days, so one of the residents was like, yo, dude, you just need to like, not whistle. I'm trying to think about something. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize I'm whistling. And then like later that day, the same resident was like, I don't have time to answer your question. And I was like, all right, note to self. I got to like be a little more observant about these, you know, situations. Because now that I'm a first year resident, I see that you're literally just like scrambling at all times, trying to get stuff done, trying yeah. to make sure you can get out of there before like midnight. And so in retrospect, kind of having that situational awareness to like, it's okay to ask questions, but you know, ask good questions and ask them kind of in, in the right setting. Cause you don't want to be the person who just, they don't even know what your personality is. They don't even know who you are. Cause you didn't say a word, but you also right. don't want to, you know, interrupt them and, and be obtrusive. Yeah, exactly. Which is hard. <laughs> it's hard to know how to do that. Yeah. It's a fine balance. That's for sure, man. I, I mean, I don't think I was ever that great at, uh, you know, following around and trying to be helpful Because when I was a first year, second year, third year, you know, going on, for me, at least as a resident, I always loved the extern guys who were quieter, but, you know, asked smart questions, but also they almost acted like a first year resident, you know, and they would be like, hey, man, do you need help with this? Like, uh, look at this patient's doing that. And and it's basically anything to show me that, like, you know, these guys are going to be a team player. And as soon as they get here, they're going to be looking for ways to help. Yeah. Those are the externs that I think when when they leave and they're talking to the program director, like they're like, dude, that guy was awesome. We'd be so lucky to have him here as opposed to the know-it-all who just kind of, you know, asks a million questions, but just sits back and is kind of, you know, like you guys teach me, I'm, uh, you know, I'm here so that you guys can benefit me, not the other way around. Oh yeah, for sure. If you're if you're willing to help out and just literally get your hands dirty, then that's honestly what makes the the residents see that you're, that's what you're going to do when you're a resident. They want you there. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, that's cool. Where did you extern again? So I extern'd at Parkland, UConn. I was at OHSU. And then I went to USC and NYU. So a couple of different programs, um, a lot of different styles and different types of people. But I, I learned a ton from my externships. Like even not only will you learn about the programs, but you're going to learn oral surgery. You know, some of the basics, because I, like I was telling you the other day, when I got my very first call as a resident, you know, my first night was trauma, trauma night. I got my first call and it was the, some person who had fallen and smacked their head on the corner of a concrete step and it was split wide open. And I went in all alone. And I was literally relying on some of the things I, that I learned in my uh, externship at Parkland when the resident who was on their first you know, month was showing me like, hey, this is, you got to run around, like kind of hunt down the Lido, you got to do this and that. So those are, you know, you'll learn a lot of tips and tricks that will help make you more, feel more comfortable when you actually start residency. So it's, it's really valuable to, to get in those externships if you can. Yeah, that's so awesome. That's a lot of externships. I did three and I thought that was a lot, but man, you, you did a ton and that's just, it's so great to, to do that because that's a once in a lifetime experience. And for for the rest of your life, you know, you have an idea of what those programs are like, you know, what the, you you met all those people like that you can connect with later. I mean, super helpful. Yeah, for sure. And like every dental school is different too. You know, if they allow you to go during your semester and you're ahead, totally do it. You know, it's not cheap but it's a great experience and so just kind of it's different for everywhere if you can only go during your breaks go during your break and it, it shows that you care you know you're you're not off in the bahamas or whatever you're uh putting your time in with oral surgery that's exactly what uh Schlieve said when we were interviewing him <laughs> yeah he's just like i just really appreciate the fact that you're not in the, the caribbean you, you're here you know slugging it out on your break yeah, exactly so yeah that's cool I know I, I'm pretty sure I've told you this story, but I just have to bring it up, you know, from when I was in externship, it was like uh, two or 3 a.m. And, you know, I'm with the second year resident. We're not going to say where this was, but it, it was it was a great place to externship. It was just such a funny experience that we get called to the emergency room. A guy had a you know motor vehicle accident and just basically took a big chunk of his scalp off, like right on the crown of his head big avulsion and which was gone and so he has this big kind of dead space an open wound and so he's like stuki you know you you push on the forehead i'll push on the back and and we're gonna squeeze this wound together you know as tight as we can so we're doing that and he gets the suture out and it's like uh he starts with like a 4-0 something i don't even remember and it's just snapping you know just like a, a strand of hair and then he's just like, son of a gun, you know? And okay, okay, get someone give me a three zero. And now he's he's got me with both hands from the back and the front of the head, squeezing the wound together, and he's putting it in. Three zero, just snapping. And then we get we're getting down to just like two zero or maybe the O. <laughs> like the suture looked like something you could reel in a marlin with, you know, like one of those <laughs> type thing. And he just just cranking on this guy's scalp get to get the wound together. And finally, we close it up, and I mean, he looks like he just won the lottery. His face is so content and just so happy. Okay, man, let's take a picture, and and I'm gonna stand here and pose, and you take a picture of me and the wound, you know, all these pictures, and and I thought it was great, you know, I, I didn't know, and it was so funny. We go to breakfast the next morning with all the other residents, and this resident pulls out, you know, his camera, dude, you guys got to see all the, this lack we closed last night, 
and we we're at breakfast and he's passing around the camera and they're all just busting up laughing and they're like no way did you close that you know that wound <laughs> i mean in the end i think it turned out fine you know and the the skin kind of relaxes over time and and whatnot yeah. but it's just those hilarious experiences that like you're never gonna <laughs> do that again and, and you're a dental student you've never seen anything and you're just like this is crazy oh for sure i remember i was uh right after I did two externships in a row on my next site. I was with the intern and he was starting to lack and his hand was shaking so bad. I looked at him just to make sure he's okay. And he's like, he looks at me and says, I just drank a cup of coffee. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, no worries, man. And he, and he looks at me and he stops. He says, have you done one of these before? And I was like, yeah, I did. I did one last week. He says, that's one more than me. <laughs> I just started laughing so hard. I was like, man, this is awesome. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's really fun to be able to learn. Cause I mean, that's how you learn. Just, yeah, you know, hand Getting, getting in there oh so fun man and then at the end of the externships usually i don't know if this has happened for you but usually like i'd have a little interview with the program director and the chairman mm-hmm. you know and kind of run through things and i mean they're the guys that are of course making the final call on if you get ranked high in their program or not i mean any you know words of wisdom for that moment when you're talking to the higher ups you know i i think it just comes down to just being yourself just being calm being normal and having a good conversation with them because in the end like you know it's the same thing when you interview you want to go somewhere that's going to like you for who you are and where you're going to like being there too so i think just try to you know relax and just have a good conversation with them talk to them about what you saw and what you liked and how you know if you want to be there the, the different things about their program that you're interested in you're going to you know keep in contact with them and and you hope to interview there so yeah, exactly yeah and you know some program directors will take the time to you know even give you advice and and you know tell you things that you did good so it's it's really a, a cool opportunity to have to talk with them before you have to interview potentially in the future yes for sure all right and then so th- those are good helps any other tips or tricks about the actual getting into the program yeah i mean there's just so many of those different factors to put together i've had you know, people asking about what, who to get letters from. And I would just say like, overall, just like when you apply to dental school, make sure you just look into every single school, see what it is that they need and make sure that at the very least you get them everything they need and get it done early. You know, most places, I, I think it's fair to say they require like two letters of recommendation for an oral surgeon. If you can get those from, you know, your, your the chair and the program director at your school, that's great. Some schools, you know, just do that by default and others you have to kind of look into that, you know, but I think it helps if you can get a good letter from them. And then, again, just can't stress enough, make it a good plan for the CBSC and just giving that your absolute all so that you can, you know, just get that hurdle out of the way. You don't want that something that's dragging you down, rather something that they look at, they're happy with, and then they're, you know, feel comfortable just looking at all the other aspects of you without having to worry about your, you know, ability to study hard. Yeah. All right. And so you're about six months into your first year. So the learning from you know, tests and, and these nice uh, atmospheres where you're in a, a clinic where you can talk to the professor. Those days are over. Now you're learning from the school of hard knocks, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it been? What, what have you learned? You know, what are some of the things that have been going on? Oh, it's been awesome. I've, I've loved residency so far. So at least here, we, as an intern, we spend a good amount of time at the VA where it's a little bit different than our main campus. So I started at the VA and to be completely honest, starting as, as a resident, I didn't have a ton of oral surgery experience. You know, I had very 
you know, to be honest, I had very little. And so it was awesome to start there because I had a couple different mentors who, you know, every case they would be there, one of the three, and I was essentially, you know, quote unquote, the rock star because I was the only oral surgery resident in the place. You know, right. as an intern, usually you're like the bottom, you're the scum on the bottom of someone's foot. You know, they're, right, right. they're trying to get you to go throw their trash away. But at the VA, you're literally the only person. So, you know, there's really no, no uh, hierarchy there, which was awesome because I was able to just learn a ton from mentors. Yeah, in my time there. So then after I came back, I was at the main campus. It's been great there too, because I had a little more confidence and was able to, you know, do a lot more cases. You know, in dental school, it's kind of, at least in my experience, it was like, you know, you drill, drill one enamel rod off, maybe like a molecule here or there. And then, you know, Quick, put the drill down, let someone take a look, make sure you didn't screw it, you know, kill anyone yet or yeah. destroy the pulp. Whereas here, it's kind of the opposite. It's like, hey, we got all these people, you know, we need you to go see them and do it right and get it done, get get moving, which yeah. has been awesome. I, you know, I have felt like I've really thrived in that environment just to be able to learn and when you need help to to get it. But when you don't, you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. It's been fun. Yeah, man, it's so awesome. I loved residency as well. Um, that type of learning was right up my alley. It's hard for some people. I mean, a lot of people don't take to it that quickly because it's such a drastic change. You know, you go from, like you're saying, you're going from having two hours to do a crown prep to, you know, 15 minutes to take out four set of uh, full, fully impacted wisdom teeth. So it's a whole different beast, you know. How have you been able to adapt to it so quickly? That's a good question. So, I mean, at least in the clinic, I think it's just important to realize, you know, to be able to recognize when you really need help and recognize when you know what you're doing, you're just a little bit nervous. And so for me, that's, that's what's been, you know, the biggest help is just saying, Hey, I got this. I remember actually going back to my externship. I had an externship where I was taking out a tooth. I, I hardly knew that much about taking out a tooth. And I went to go find a resident to help me. And the assistant's like, who are you looking for? I was like, I'm looking for a resident to just like kind of bail me out. Like, like you've been in there like 10 minutes, man. You got this. Go back in there. They closed the door. <laughs> I was like, oh, dang. Okay. Like, I guess I'll uh, check this out. And I got it out. No problem. And so kind of knowing that moment is like, are you, do you like, do you know what you're doing? You just need to kind of keep at it. Or do you really need to go get someone to, to help you and kind of teach you? And so, I mean, for everyone, that's a little bit different. But for me, I w- I've been able to find that, you know, a lot of times I do know what I'm doing and I do, you know, feel comfortable and you can go ahead. And then, you know, in the times that you don't, don't be afraid to, to go find someone who you can trust to, to help you out and kind of teach you, teach you the way that they do things. And just pay attention to yeah. when someone else who knows a lot more than you is doing it, watch carefully so you can kind of implement what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah, that's terrific. You know, in regards to thinking back, for me, first year residency was the most difficult, mostly because it was just a whole different ball game. There, you know, you got the clinic, you got your hospital patients. We had, you know, classes actually. We had courses and tests we were still taking. We were enrolled in like an orthognathics class with the ortho students. Um, all sorts of other stuff, and and it was just like so many balls were in the air to juggle that it was difficult for me at first to figure out how to manage it. And at one point, you know, a few months in, I remember sitting down with my program director and, you know, he was kind of like, you know, you need to step it up. You need to do better. And I was a little shooken because I was like, man, I like feel like I'm barely hanging on here as it is. And you're telling me I got to get to the next level. But his big thing, you know, was 
we want, you know, if you picture residency as a bus, we want someone who's a driver, not a passenger. And he's like, I need you to show me more stuff that shows that you're a driver. And so I took the message to heart. And I mean, I pretty much thought of everything I could to be proactive. And, you know, one of those things was starting my master's. I started, you know, doing my master's degree and, and ended up getting that in oral biology. But basically every day in the clinic, just taking initiative, um, looking for ways to to help everyone and not waiting for someone to tell me what to do, I think changed a lot. Um, looking looking for certain types of cases that I wanted to do and, and making it happen. You know, one time I did a sialogram of, of a guy who had a stone in his parotid duct, you know, and it was just a beautiful image. And I remember doing that and Dr. K, who I worked with, she was just like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I can't believe someone did this. Uh, you know, we never do this. We did it at the hospital, like under fluoro. It was pretty cool. But stuff like that where, you know, you kind of take a step outside of the box of just the daily grind and you're like, I'm going to make something special happen, you know, seems to make things go better for you. You know, people recognize that you aren't just there to be a leech or, you know, and kind of siphon off info, but you're there also to contribute to the program becoming better, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's definitely something that's difficult as a, as a, an intern, just adapting to it all. Because like, like I told you, clinic can be going great, but then you also have like a thousand other things you got to take care of when it comes to call, inpatients, getting stuff done, making sure people are, are on track to have surgery, doing workups, you know, yeah. making sure there's just, the list goes on and on. And, that is actually, you know, something that I've had to definitely learn a lot more about being proactive. Like you were saying, I remember we had this patient, like, you know, as interns, there's three of us here and we kind of all coordinate, you know, you know, who's going to be rounding. And most of the time it's pretty clear as to who's going where and what's going to happen. But we we had this patient who had a a really large surgery. And basically that morning we all tried to talk to each other, say, Hey, like what's going on with this person who's going to be pre-rounding. And long story short, we all ended up showing up at the exact same moment as our chief. And of course the, the first moment that we all made a contact, it was tell me how much drainage, you know, this patient had last night. And of course we all are looking at each other like, Oh, please, someone know this, please anybody. And, and then we all look back at our chief and you, you know, that's the moment, you know, that you messed up. So obviously we got a talking to, and I just, we all thought like what happened? Like, you know, we knew that this had to get done, but somehow, you know, it got overlooked. And stuff like that just happens as a as an intern. And you know, I realize you just have to be proactive. You know, S- seek out those issues. You know, and and get it done. You know, both with just some of the, the stuff that's not super exciting, like pre rounding mm-hmm. and you know, putting in orders and getting casts poured up, stuff like that. If you can do all those things and really show that you know you're really ready to go the extra mile, then I feel like that kind of goes over into clinic and gives you more opportunity because people are you know, want to work with you more. Yeah, exactly. And you were telling me the other day that you've become the IT master of the <laughs> department. Well, um, kind of involuntary. Yeah. But I mean, even little stuff like that, anything that you can do to help the program to distinguish yourself as, you know, going above and beyond your regular duties is going to help you in residency for sure. Yeah. Because I mean, like c- comparing it to, 
just you know you're learning so far in life most of the time you have like a set date and a goal and you know you gotta you know be ready for your test by next you know thursday whereas in residency it kind of just feels like this never-ending you know experience and so studying every day is like it's just a little bit different it's harder to quantify so that's something that you know you have to I've had to at least sit down and say, hey, how much am I going to do each day? What are my goals? And how am I, how am I going to make sure that I learn uh, effectively and stay on top of this rather than just kind of, like you said, kind of coasting through the experience or like barely making it through and just leeching off everyone else? Yeah. I think, too, another thing that makes it more difficult for the general dental student to excel in their first year is oftentimes an environment that a residency program is much more intense you know you got uh, much higher stress uh, cases you got you know probably a lot of personalities that are much more difficult to deal with and a lot of people once you start sensing that your gut reaction is to you know withdraw and kind of protect yourself because you're like oh my gosh i got all these people waiting for me to screw up and and you know jack something up and so that they can rip me a new one yep you know, and so people start going, you know, down that road of, okay, I, well, all I'm just trying to do is not screw up today. That's my goal. And that impedes you, inhibits you from growing and, you know, and, and asking questions and learning and kind of being okay with going out on a limb and, and kind of, you know, doing new stuff. And that was a big change for me that, you know, I even remember when I was having this conversation with my program director, he said, you know, and in the case conferences and when we have our, you know, guest lectures come, you know, a good thing that you could do would just be to ask questions. Don't be afraid, you know, after they always gave you a chance to have questions, you know, and there's a big group of people I always felt intimidated. Like, there's no way I'm asking a question to a guy who's talking about lithotripsy of the uh, submandibular stone. Yeah, or you know, or whatever, reconstructing the TMJ joint. I'm just a first year. What do I know? I shouldn't be asking questions. But um, he said, you know, just just start asking questions. You can say anything, and you know, and yeah, maybe people will laugh at you. But it's, I mean, this is your learning. You need to take the bull by the horns. And if you don't know stuff, ask. No one's gonna kick you out of the program for asking uh, what they think is a stupid question. Yeah, for sure. And so part of it is kind of resisting that urge to you know, put your, your shell on and like hide and like say, I'm only gonna, I'm gonna be super cautious and not try to screw up, but I'm really gonna learn today and and go out on a limb and be uncomfortable and be okay with being in that environment. Yeah, exactly. And when you get roasted and when you get torn, you just say, Hey, you're right. I messed up and try to learn from those experiences rather than getting all defensive. Cause honestly, yeah. that's how we learn every day. It's just, you know, you do mess up, people correct you and just take it for what it is. That's exactly right. That in itself is a great lesson for life. It's certainly a good mess- lesson for marriage. You know, if you, uh, there's times where your wife is going to say, hey, you know, like you, you messed up or I didn't, you know, I need you to do this or that. And getting defensive is going to make things worse. You know, opening up your mind and your heart and saying, hey, what really is the message here and how can I improve? That's going to make things go better for you. So good stuff for residency. Anything else you wanted to discuss about residency? Oh man, you know it's just awesome so far. Like I said, like you said, I've only been here a couple months. I'm excited though. Every year is so different. You just gotta really just take advantage of it. I just see it as an opportunity. It's like 
you know, once in a lifetime, you got to just make the most of it and it's going to have great rewards at the end, but it's, it's a lot of work. For those, you know, dental students who are in that process of applying, just really highly recommend they just, you know, commit. If that's, if you know you want to do oral surgery, just commit and do what it takes because, you know, you'll be okay. You're going to have a lot of fun and it's a lot of work, but you know, there's a lot of other great people in the program or, or in the in the field who are, you know, totally willing to to reach out and give you a hand. Yes. Quick note on that as well. I'm almost done with this book by David Goggins called Can't Hurt Me. Have you heard of it at all or no? Uh, no. Okay. So this guy is a total psycho. He's like, he's the, I guess he's the only man who's like gotten to the highest branches of all the military groups. You know, he was a Navy SEAL. He went through BUDS training the army, the air force, everything. And then after that, he started running ultra marathons and, and competing in Ultraman, which is like ultra Ironmans, like beyond an Ironman, yeah. like running a hundred miles, not just a marathon swimming, you know, several miles biking miles and miles and miles. But anyways, I love listening to these guys and their books. There's another one I listened to by Maka. He's, one of the world-renowned Australian Ironman guys who's you know done over 100 and won Kona, which is the biggest Ironman in the world. But the common thing that you find with these guys that endure severe punishment is that they love learning, you know. And that is, I think, what saved me in residency is just that that just excitement to learn new stuff at, at whatever cost it may be. And so that's why for me, like my favorite conference that we did every week was mortality and morbidity because we would sit down and we call M&M conference, you know, we discussed the cases that went south, you know, and it was so exciting. And I became like one of the main presenters because everyone else was like freaked out of their mind, of course, in a surgery setting, nobody wants to admit they did something wrong. Nobody certainly doesn't want to make a PowerPoint and blast it out to the world about, you know, how I jacked up this situation. But uh, once I started doing it, even just stupid stuff, like I had a dry socket or, you know, this implant got a, had a minor infection on it or something, I would present stuff like that because our program director said I w- it was okay to. And they would just roast me over the flames, man. Like they would, everyone would pick it apart that's the worst implant I've ever seen. Like, were you blind? Were you blindfolded when you were putting that in? Like, you know, and then of course they would pimp you about every aspect of the implant of how to take out a wisdom tooth, of how to reflect a flap, of what blades to use, you know, how to hold it, like on and on. It was exhausting. But like when I was done with my presentations, I mean, I would just go over everything in my mind for like a full day or two. Just, oh my gosh, that was, yeah, next time I'm doing this and that. And I researched all the things they were trying to pimp me on that I didn't know. And for me, that's where my learning just catapulted to another level is because I was able to put on my cup and just like take my beating like a man every week. Yeah. And maybe some people wouldn't thrive and they would hate that. But for me, it was, it was awesome because I did. I loved learning. And I love these crazy dudes who just are glutton for punishments. I mean, <laughs> you almost have to be yeah. like that to survive residency. You have to be able to take a punishment and keep on going. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good a good perspective. I mean, I've always felt the same way when it comes to learning. Like, just people would be telling you, you know, 
hey, you don't you don't need to know that. It's not on the test. Or, you know, don't worry about this. You're not going to need it when you go to oral surgery residency. Or, you know, this is med school stuff. You're not going to be, you know, uh, treating people who have kidney failure. Or, like, you're not going to be treating their kidneys. But it's like, I want to learn as much as I can, you know. Just take it all in and, you know, see how it can benefit me. Sometimes you get beat down a little bit. The other day I was in clinic and I was walking to see some patient. I don't know what it was, but I was walking like super slow. I don't know why. And my chief caught it, caught a glance of it from out the corner of her eye. Looks over there. Stooky. Like what? What are you doing? Get a pep in your set, man. And I was like, oh yeah, sorry, man. You got to like uh, stay on top of your game at all times. Just always be searching for, for opportunities to learn and have that like go, go, go. Because if you're you know walking around all slow, not getting stuff done, it's just, it's not going to happen. Dude, that is a classic residency comment right there. <laughs> it's like, I mean, you know, there's only, there's a small group of people. You're in confined quarters and that's fair game. You know, like you're walking with the slouch in your step. I remember once I was presenting and it's like, I don't like the level of the volume that you're talking at. I don't like the way, you know, you're looking, you're blinking too many times when you <laughs> say that. <laughs> yeah. But they like are there to pick you down to the to the bare minimum and then build you back up. Yep. You know, and it's like the refiner's fire. And I think unfortunately there's a lot of people who I don't know if it's they don't love learning or you know, maybe it's just too hard to be in that setting where you're kind of getting beat down, especially in front of other people, like on rounds yeah. or something. But I saw many, you know, people throw up the white flag and, and quit after they had made it to residency. I mean, you think about how much work and smarts it took to get you into residency and then, you know, what it would take you to quit. And, and I saw that multiple times people, you know, quitting, but I think that probably was the reason. And in a lot of cases it was like, they weren't prepared, you know, for that high level of scrutiny and it just made them too uncomfortable and so I'm hoping that by us talking about this in this podcast, that we'll kind of give some people a heads up that, I mean, yeah, you're going to get, you know, scrutinized. You're, you're, you're probably going to get humiliated in front of other people, but it's not in most cases, 99% of cases, it's not a personal thing. It's not like people hate you, you know, which is kind of how you feel in the moment. Everyone hates me. I had this resident who was a year ahead of me and he would just start faking like he was crying when people were beating him down and like doing it like everybody hates me i'm no good uh, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know just because i think he felt that inside and so it made him get through the moment by like laughing about it but i think if you kind of have a heads up that this is coming this is kind of how it, it works for the better for the worst a lot of the learning takes place in these kind of hostile settings you know, hopefully you can get some thick skin and just let it roll off your shoulder and say, you know, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one thing is like as a dental student, I don't know how many how many oral surgery residents they get to talk to or people who recently graduated, you know, or form close relationships. For me, it was huge to have you to tell me about different things in oral surgery that different experiences you had, because when I started my residency, it wasn't a surprise. And I knew from the beginning, yeah, it's going to be hard. You know, these are some of the things to expect. And honestly, when I was interviewing, people would ask me, they'd say, you know, how do you ever expect to balance, you know, having a family with being an oral surgery resident? I said, I expect it to be hard, you know, and that's, that's not a surprise for me. And, you know, these are the things that I plan on doing. Yeah. So I think it, like, what you're saying, it's super helpful if they're, you know, dental students just to know some of these things. And then if they have oral surgery residences, they know, or at their program, just to take some time and talk to them about what it's like to be a resident, you know, mm -hmm. some of the hard things, not just 
not just like the cases they're doing, but just get real with, you know, what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's another great point. The more you can communicate with your residents, your other people who are with you, the the more support you'll get. I remember having multiple conversations during my first year with the upper levels and saying, you know, I'm, I'm clearly I'm struggling with this. What do you think I can do better? I need some feedback here because not everyone's going to give you, you know, feedback easily. Sometimes you have to really look for it, ask for it, you know, and kind of be okay with hearing some hard stuff, you know. Cool. Any other words of wisdom you have for the listener who's kind of following behind you and getting ready to go into oral surgery? No, just, I mean, good luck. I know that it's a little bit different this year with COVID-19 and we'll see what next year brings about, but just to kind of roll with it and, you know, feel free to reach out to, to me or honestly, you know, any of our residents, if you guys have any questions about, about applying, cause we're, you know, more than happy to give you tips, not just our program, just really to anywhere. Nice. And I know, you know, you had probably the pick of a lot of great programs real quick. Why did you choose case Western? Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I, I really loved the residents here at case Western when I interviewed, it just, just seeing the, the vibe that the residents had, seeing how they interacted with each other and how they treated me when I was just some random applicant, just essentially nobody there, was the first thing that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And then as I got to know more about the program, I talked with, with the, the faculty. I thought the, the faculty was amazing. I wanted them to be my mentors and to work with them. And then I thought the med school curriculum in com- combination with the oral and maxillofacial surgery curriculum was just like unbeatable. The fact that, you know, we... we have this condensed down to a five-year program the main year that we we get step one out of the way before we even start day one of residency which was i thought was pretty cool and then doing a little bit of med school on the side you know taking pd some physical diagnosis courses during first year and then during your second year you launch into third year med school and just do that 100 percent, and then you're back into oral maxillofacial facial surgery so essentially in my mind we kind of are able to cut out some of the classwork sitting around stuff that you've already shown that you can do if you've done well in the CBSE and really just focus on the the most high yield oral maxillofacial surgery stuff. In addition, I mean, there's a lot of other things when it comes to to programs. I think it's really cool how we get some exposure to procedures with Dr. Kreshi, the aesthetic procedures, you know, you know, Dr. Bauer does a lot of TMJ. There's just a wide, wide variety of what we do and we're not necessarily like honed in on one thing. It's kind of up to the resident to, to pick what they want to do. Kind of an open environment, no pressure as to, kind of what they expect you to be that's awesome super cool yeah. well great that was a nice little commercial for case western yeah. uh, hopefully that will sweeten up dr koresh enough that he'll come on the podcast because he'll be like i like this guy he's doing some positive marketing for our program that's right we have we have some awesome faculty hopefully we'll hear from him soon yes exactly cool man well thanks for taking the time really appreciate all this good conversation that you were able to contribute Good luck with residency and let's do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure being here. Okay, talk to you later, buddy. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Everyday Oral Surgery, Surgeons Talking Shop. If you are practicing oral surgery or in the oral surgery field and would like to be on this podcast, please email me at grantstukey at gmail.com or feel free to text me or call me at 720-775-5843. Also, if you have any topics that you would like to hear discussed or any feedback on certain episodes that have already aired, 
I would love for you to call or email me. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.